I'm very excited to introduce a brand new sponsor for Series 3. It's the wonderfully sustainable, inclusive and gorgeous underwear brand Lara Intimates. Now, I'm a huge fan of eco-friendly underwear and I've got one of their sets and not only is it unbelievably comfortable and flattering, but it's made from responsibly sourced deadstock fabric to reduce material waste and made by local eco-friendly suppliers. Lara Intimates also offers one of the world's widest range of bra sizes, ranging from a 26A to a 36GG. To get 10% off your first order, use the code CHEERUP at the checkout. That's CHEERUP. Thank you so much to Lara Intimates. Capturing on-camera experiences of everyday harassment, photographer Eliza Hatch retelling stories on film in the hope of giving women the courage to speak out. He tried to put his hand under my shorts. The conductor tapped my ass. And they kept him following me. His hand was going up my skirt and I, my body somehow froze. You know, no one intervened. Cheer up love, a phrase sometimes shouted at women on the street. They're photographed in places where harassment has happened. Cat calling to curb crawling. This campaign covers it all. Hello and welcome to the Cheer Up Love podcast with me, your host, Eliza Hatch. Today I'm speaking to someone I've wanted to get on the podcast for ages. It's the phenomenal and incredibly inspiring campaigner Shei Akiwowo. Shei is a public speaker, activist and the executive director and founder of Glitch, which is a charity dedicated to ending online harassment and abuse. Shei was elected as the youngest black female councillor in East London at the age of 23 and created the platform Glitch in 2017 after a horrendous experience of online abuse when a video of her speech at the European Parliament went viral. After experiencing firsthand the gaps in the system and lack of support for victims of online abuse, Shei founded Glitch, an incredibly needed organisation in today's world which aims to tackle online abuse through education, campaigns and advocacy. Shay's achievements also include being this year's UK's Digital Leader of the Year and in 2018 she was named Stylist Magazine's Woman of the Week and Amnesty International's Human Rights Defender. I've been avidly following Shay's work for a few years now and it's becoming ever more prevalent how much of an issue online harassment is, with the pandemic only emphasising the issue more. So without further ado, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Shay onto the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. How have you been doing? Thank you so much for inviting me and being persistent with inviting me and being so understanding with just the lack of capacity and timing because this just seems to be the year that people care about online abuse and want to do something about it. It's just meant that we've just seen like massive growth in the team and our work. So thank you so much for persisting with the invite. I'm really pushy, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, don't apologize at all. Hashtag she persisted is very important. How have I been coping? So like I said, like Glitch is doing amazingly well. We've got an amazing team in place now who are working full time, which was something we've been like longing for for a long for a long time. But then, yeah, you look around, you finish finish work, you close the laptop and then you see that, yeah, you can't go out. You can't see your friends. It was Mother's Day as well, which was a bit weird. And it's like Mm. compartmentalizing your life in a way. And then there's still obviously the kind of resonant of last year and the massive like white urgency that came with George Floyd's murder making mainstream news Mm. that 
was really difficult to deal with both from kind of online being just just being mm-hmm. online from a kind of campaign perspective and seeing the role that tech company weren't really playing and then also with like funding and all sorts of expectations and interest now that people care about black lives and black women so that was that's still kind of lingering on now and then yeah like you're seeing this continuum of violence towards women offline and online and you're just like when will we catch Mm. a break when will we just be able to just like really rest and in how am I coping I'm really forcing myself to go for walks if if you you talk to any of my friends before the lockdown they'll tell you that I didn't even walk to the shop like I used to drive to like the local supermarket like I was that person and then I let go of my car and before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and I was like oh right okay walking 27 minutes isn't going to hurt me like this is actually good for me not the same as going to a dance class but yeah I I honestly forced myself to go for walks forced myself to have shady moments in the morning of like watching the sun rise which is getting a bit harder now that the sun is rising earlier and earlier Um, (laughs) but watching the sunrise and meditating and journaling as much as I can and I'm really good at boundaries like after having a lot of moments of burnout and like breakdowns and things like that like I like I just haven't got the tolerance for stress as much so I really feel it in my body quite quickly whereas before I think I would not notice it or suppress it and then it would really come like it would it would come like this massive avalanche and then like completely disrupt my day so like being able to have those moments to check in with myself has been super helpful yeah, completely. I think boundaries are so important. They're becoming ever more prominent that th- these are things that we actually like, need in our lives in order to keep us sane. And I'm finding that at the moment very much with like social media, especially p- over the past couple of weeks have just been really, really intense. I mean, this whole year has been intense in so many yeah. different ways, but I myself am finding that boundaries are very, very important when it comes to just most of your online interactions, because with everyone working from home and the pandemic and stuff, those have just kind of disintegrated for so many people. Like they just don't really exist anymore. So I think it's very, very important to put those in place. But just going back to Glitch, it's one of those resources and a charity that I just I can't think of another one like it that exists you know it's such a valuable resource and it deals with the issue of online harassment and abuse and I just think it's really funny that since really recently I couldn't think of anything that existed like that I was just wondering what led you to creating it and also what are some of the fundamental services that were lacking when you needed them the most everything really like there was no one to talk to like first of all just confirm that what I was experiencing wasn't okay like that just reassurance was missing because people just said back in 2014, 15, 16, that this was just a part of a woman's experience when she's online. And mm. that, I think, was the hardest bit. Being victim blamed when I had done nothing wrong, that kind of therapy and holistic support was missing. And then two, I think it's around like the access to justice piece. And as a black woman, balancing the need to feel like I have got justice, but not perpetuating the pipeline to prison, knowing that prison in itself doesn't doesn't yield as many benefits as we're told to believe. Mm. And that came to a real forefront 
after George Floyd's murder as well and making us think, actually, let's pause around any recommendations to do with giving police more power. And then I think the, the, the final one was around tech. The tech companies are, like, taking accountability for what was happening. They said that these things were against their terms and conditions, but then when I reported it, it was there was silence, there was inconsistency, and I just... that Those were the three bits that made me realise were, were the triangulation of services or support that was needed for a victim and a survivor, mm. and also for a survivor to not go back... to not be re-traumatised by abuse, because it's not like abuse will just happen the one time, and giving them... A, them feeling equipped to, come, to go back to a space that isn't safe, but also addressing the kind of premise that, oh, yeah... We should all just be online without actually doing a bit of like checking first that we really want to enter this platform because it's a whole nother world of like patriarchy and all the isms that we hate offline. Mm. So those three that those three like themes of experience is basically the framework of glitch. Like we do a lot around raising awareness of online abuse through an intersectional lens so that people understand that this is wrong, understand the impact and understand how to be an active bystander online. Mm. We talk about, we do a lot on advocacy with both government and tech companies. And a lot of the things that we called for in 2017 in our our first recommendations report, we are now seeing like to happen on platforms. So when you make a report now, you get an acknowledgement, whereas before you just didn't get anything. And we're and so we're seeing reforms on tech platforms but we're now also pu pushing governments to think about regular well not think to have regulation we've tried the whole self-regulating and marking your own homework and it's not working so we are trying to build the capacity of government to be able to understand this issue and understand it from an intersectional lens as well as be able to regulate and mm. then the third pillar of glitch's work is like is is action is inspiring people to take action inspiring people to take up space online we do that through our workshop on digital self-care and self-defense we inspire people to make sure that their employment and their organizations that they have a, a sphere of influence and like hold some form of power are able to make sure that it's safe for everybody so through online code of conduct through online health and safety and that's been even more important during the pandemic where we've seen everybody go online and that is then it meant that online abuse has sadly increased which we saw in our research report last year and so those are the three themes that were missing during my experience as a survivor of online abuse and harassment mm. that glitch is trying to address and trying to meet and then hopefully push the institutions to be funding this and delivering this so that therefore glitch doesn't have to exist and therefore mm -hmm. survivors of online abuse don't feel lonely and don't feel victim blamed and i think we are changing the narrative i think for so long a lot of people would just say that online abuse was part of a woman's experience and you just had to deal with it or you know get out of the the kitchen um which was said once and it was very annoying and i think now people are saying that this is wrong this is not okay and we've had more celebrities and influencers and people in sports and people in politics talk about the impact of online abuse and I, and I and I credit glitch for that for take for taking that leadership what I'd love to see next though is like how we build a generation of people to see to, to see their role in holding tech companies to account we're really good at holding like Amazon to account around like how they're, they're about their like employment practices and what they're doing to the planet we're really good at holding like alcohol industry and tobacco industry to account we're really good at holding our tech um sorry our politicians to account but we don't seem to quite understand how, how we can hold tech companies to account both as digital citizens but also as consumers so how do we vote with our clicks how do we vote with our keyboard in the kind of 
tech platforms we want to see and don't want to see because I fear that we're just getting to this race to the bottom of the very minimal frameworks of safety and design and policy of new new tech platforms and I and and that that scares me and I think we should realize that we've got a bit more power to say to tech companies we're not gonna sign up to you to your platform unless you provide x y and z yeah it really does feel at the moment like tech companies are doing the sort of bare minimum when it comes to safeguarding and it seems to be like a real lack of accountability in these areas and you know sometimes it really feels like we're living in the wild west of tech with companies you know saying that they're looking out for your well-being but they're actually failing to protect the most marginalized and vulnerable people in society so how do we create this accountability and encourage these tech and social media giants to put these proper safeguarding measures in place well first of all we need them to acknowledge (laughs) we need them to acknowledge and understand gender-based violence and they still don't Mm. they still don't we don't have a policy on that we've only just got misogyny seen as a hate crime last week at the time of this recording and obviously there's a lot of kind of conversations around what does that mean but Mm. from my perspective in in tech and the women's sectors this this is a leverage where it's a whole tech companies to begin recording misogyny on their platforms and getting that data and that disaggregated data we don't currently uh, have that so we don't even know how bad it is we're having to get research like t- the t- amnesty's toxic twitter report which showed how prevalent online abuse was on the platform we've got people doing research like ourselves on you know on a shoestring budget to kind of show a little insight into how bad the platform is i think the second one is like a very minimum duty of care of all tech companies and that's something quite a lot of civil society organizations are calling for glitch but carnegie trust mm. anti-semitism anti-semitism policy trust centenary action group like so many people are calling for this basic duty of care from tech companies from design from user safety from user redress to anonymity to any product being created and developed and rolled out like making sure there's a duty of care on on them and making sure that that care defined like from my perspective has women at it like at the core of it if you only have a duty of care or definition of online harm that still favors the white privileged man and still centers the tech bros that are creating it for themselves then we're never going to really make the online space safe Yes, truly. And just kind of talking about how gendered it is. I mean, that was really felt, I think. I mean, it's been felt by women and marginalised genders for a really long time. But this huge disparity between how people experience online abuse was definitely acutely felt last year when Donald Trump got COVID and Twitter just immediately removed all tweets where everyone even hinted at a death threat or saying that it violated its abuse and behaviour policy. And this just felt like a huge slap in the face, basically, for many, many high profile women who would never afforded that same grace. Yeah. And I mean, as, as you said, it's it's because these tech companies are not recognising this as misogyny. But why is it taking them so long to wake up to this? Is it just because the fact that these are all run by white cis men, basically? Do you think that's literally what it is? I think so. Well, I think so. And we've not been we've not got any data or transparency reports to see otherwise. But I think so. I think we often forget as well because of the amount of money that is spent on PR that Facebook was created to rate women (laughs) in college. Like so from the very design of the platform, it was always set up to fail. But then it's not just 
it's not just because there's not women in the room. There's also because there's not any minoritized people, any any minoritized groups mm -hmm. or people or people in the leadership decisions. So only last year did we did Facebook make Holocaust denial straight ban on the or suspension on their platform. That's a decade of wow. Jewish communities, Jewish civil society groups campaigning for that very basic. You know, that very basic acknowledgement that the Holocaust did happen and we know it's anti-Semitism, let alone now all these nuances around gifts and memes and stuff. So I don't think the platform is set, the platforms and the, the, the tech companies are set up to really oversee and provide a service to mm. the diverse groups of people that they benefit from which which i think is really important because you hear about black twitter you hear about feminist twitter you hear about black twitter helping make a lot of things go viral you hear about asian twitter and sadly we've heard about asian twitter a lot more because of the horrific attacks that happened in atlanta in the last few days but you hear about asian twitter when they're talking you know whether it's about ramadan or it's about chinese you, you like you hit you see mm. on like tiktok trends and stuff it's amazing and they benefit from the this educational exchange they benefit from from this like amazing community sharing and making it popular but they don't do the very basics to support them and and i think that's the problem and that's why a regulator needs to look at the not just the design of the platforms but also the employee like the employee demographic breakdown of the tech platforms as well and we should be calling on tech platforms to do gender pay gaps and to do ethnicity pay gaps and all sorts of all sorts of transparency reports to really get us to understand who is making who are who is making this decision and i don't think it's the role for tech companies to now basically be mini governments and basically have everybody in mm. everybody basically working for facebook and twitter because then you don't have any accountability and independence and all of that stuff so there's that's where civil society groups that are, are expert in their areas and fields can be properly remunerated to work with platforms to work with regulators to make sure that they're they've got a 360 perspective on what is happening but the danger is they pretend that they've got it all sorted, then something messes up on the platform, and then they roll in someone to kind of do, like, fire damage. So we saw that with Wiley Gate last, last year. We saw that with Katie Hopkins last year. That's too late. We should have... Civil society groups should have been there from the very beginning. We're starting to see things like trust and safety councils on uh, on most of the platforms, on most of the big platforms, but smaller platforms will say they don't have the money for that or don't or don't make that a priority in their kind of startup. So their startup of the platform mm. to make money is all about harm. And then they go into a harm reduction strategy. Well, why are we seeing any tech platforms set up to do to, to be so toxic? If, if you like we saw that with the toxic twitter report yeah it feels very reactionary yes it, and it feels it feels very reactionary and it feels like they're basically on the back foot even though they should be the ones who are like leading this tech it's it's all very confusing and a lot to get your head around when you're like you're the ones who are creating this you're the ones who are in silicon valley oh my god and it's massive gaslighting yeah. because you know you've got social dilemma which everyone's like, have you seen it have you seen it i'm not gonna see it because i know friends i know activists and campaigners who had been telling the same people who were interviewed in that netflix show that this was a problem mm. and they said and they did nothing about it 
But then now they've realized, oh, that there's massive bad PR. Let's get out. Let's leave. Let's get a good good redundancy or a good paycheck before we go. And then let's get a, a Netflix deal. None of them apologize for being complicit in it. It's very similar, oh, I feel like, to the Britney documentary. No one there apologized for their role or their complicitness in Britney being yeah. locked up. We saw it with Caroline Flack's doc documentary also this week where trolling was discussed, media's responsibility was discussed, certain people taking joke at joke making jokes of Caroline when she was at her lowest. But no one said like I wish I like no one did a reflection of like I or, or honest reflection of you no, know, I was complicit in that. Hmm. We just and, and and I think I think if we're going to move forward, we need to shut down this gaslighting. I find it exhausting. All of a sudden, Facebook, when I announce that they're doing this thing around tackling Holocaust denial on their platform, it should never have been there in the first place. We, we you know, it's like when we always say as, as feminists, like, let's not clap and praise men for doing the basic thing, like the bar is in hell. Like, I feel like the bar and around tech accountability is so low that when they give us these small gems, we see them as massive wins when they're really, really, really not. Just interrupting to say that this episode is sponsored by TOTM, the ethical, sustainable period care company with no plastic packaging, plastic applicators or harmful chemicals. I've been using TOTM's organic period care packs, which include tampons, pads and liners made with 100% certified organic cotton. This is something that I'm 100% on board with, as well as their mission to end period shame. TOTM are committed to using their voice to break down the stigma and shame that surrounds periods, all things that I'm keenly passionate about too. To get 50% off your first subscription order, use my code CHEERUP50 at the checkout. That's CHEERUP50. Thank you, TOTM. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 100%. And kind of on that theme of gaslighting, a narrative that I'm really keen to debunk is that when someone experiences online harassment, they are often told that they should be the ones to remove themselves from that spaces, like putting the responsibility on the victim and that is really unhelpful for many many reasons but you know more importantly perpetuates victim blaming language um, when people go back online and experience future abuse so how do we shift the narrative and direct our attention to the perpetrators yeah. rather than forcing victims offline yeah absolutely well we've got a resource on our website um, which we've seen a massive increase in people engaging with that and engaging in our uh, free digital self-care and self-defense resources if anyone is interested just please sign up to our newsletter on our website and we'll let you know when the next batch of work workshops are going to be rolled out that I think I think we do need to start looking at the perpetrators, and I think this is where we need a public health approach to tackling online abuse. We need to start looking at what makes somebody a perpetrator, and at what scale or what spectrum are they. I think you've got people who are on purpose, intentionally trying to wreck and damage people and and, and lives and the platforms, and you've got people growing, you know growing their incel and radical radicalization types of groups and 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 are are preying on vulnerable people and those are like those those people really need to be addressed addressed in a very different way to people who because of pop culture haven't had that education or that social norm conversation and haven't got the time to take a step back and say actually am i part of the problem here by responding or reacting rather than responding 
they haven't really realized their responsibility here so what do you do if you've got a massive following and you quote tweet somebody and you're having a kind of back mm. and forth and then all of your followers now think that they're in support of you are now trolling somebody else how do you but how, how do we make sure that we're not on that spectrum of being a perpetrator? Uh, you know, people who comment on Kim, Kardashian, Kim Kardashian's uh, Instagram and say all these horrific things. We're being a perpetrator. It's like, we're, but we're, what, we're, what, what we're doing is trying to move the dial on who, who, is vi who is a victim and what victimhood is. And if there's anything that we have learned over the last two weeks was how victimhood was given to certain people and not. We saw how victimhood mm. was given to Sarah Everett and rightly so, but not to Blessing and not to the other women who've been uh, victims of sexual harassment and assault. And so the danger of not understanding who the perpetrators are we can all fall in that scale of of being someone's perpetrator and committing abuse if we don't acknowledge that then we, it means we're changing the spectrum around who is a, a, a victim and that that really worries me i don't like the whole idea oh you're a celebrity therefore you're you're kind of excused from abuse oh what kind of like biological like mm. evolution happens when you become a celebrity what kind of psychological like advancement happens when you get a blue tick that none of the words horrific words that is said to anybody to say to somebody is it now going to hurt somebody because they have a celebrity or influencer status like it's mind-boggling so, so i think we need to understand that like we all could be someone's perpetrator and what are we going to do to to really take responsibility for that and what we're feeding this platform what we're feeding the algorithms but the second thing around perpetrators is around like a public health approach as i said earlier like some of the social ills that are contributing to people feeling isolated feeling angry having mental health issues that are not they've not got uh, a kind of the the equipment and support to deal with that how are those those system issues contributing to people committing abuse online and i think a uh, we're, we're, we're working on a feasibility study around what an online what a public health approach to online abuse would look like so we start looking at some of the systems that are driving this and some of the the, the behavior but ultimately tech and tech have a, a responsibility here yes there are there, there's a deficit of like progressive education around racism uh, trans rights women's rights offline but tech companies knew that when they created this platform and what they're doing is exacerbating that amplifying that and i haven't even begun to discuss how algorithmic decision making and automated decision making is making that even worse and how the use of ai is creating new forms of online abuse so as much as we need to make sure that we're clear around who are the perpetrators and looking at a public health approach, that needs to be done in tandem with holding tech companies to account around how they reinvest in the education of wider society. Why is it that tobacco companies are taxed and pharmaceutical companies and you know people who create medicine, which has been amazing in the last two years around the vaccine, they have to pay, they have to pay and be regulated, right? You've got people in the finance industry, like I said, that are regulated. You've got football stadiums who who pay for extra security when they've got a match to make sure people are getting home safe. Everybody takes responsibility for like their participation in society, but yet tech companies. And so they should definitely be paying a percent of their tax. In the UK, there's a digital, there's a digital services tax that's being rolled out and it's meant to generate something like 400 billion pounds. We'll find out at the end of this month how much it did generate in the, in the last financial year mm. or this financial year. But a, a percentage of that should be going to reinvest it to, to, so investing, not reinvesting, going to investing in education 
programs offline and online so that we all have a positive online experience and offline experience. I don't see why tech companies should be the only ones that don't have to pay their way, basically. Yeah, amazing. So just finally, what hopes do you have for the future of safe spaces online and where can people find Glitch and support your work? And also please feel free to shout out anything that you're working on the moment that you'd like people to go check out. Oh, thanks so much. Well, it's our birthday next month. So please check out our website, fixtheglitch.org, to see how you can get involved in supporting our unforgettable, unforgettable birthday as we turn four. Also, please join our newsletter to find out more around our workshops, and which are free, and our resources. We're launching a new resource next month ahead, ahead of the general, sorry, not the general, ahead of the local elections to support women campaigners, women in, in politics and activism to stay safe online. And and I think my one thing that I love to see in this year, in 2021, is really like a step change in tech accountability, like really like making sure that we are understanding that we can all hold tech companies to account. We can all challenge the kind of complicitness and like passiveness to what's happening. We can all be a little more conscious around joining new platforms and jo joining new tech and checking and asking for what is their gender-based violence policy before we go in. We, we would do that offline. We hear from, you know, we would talk in our WhatsApp groups like, you know, has anyone worked at this place? Like, is it safe? Like, it's, it sucks that we have to do that, but we have those mechanisms offline to be able to know if certain spaces are safe. We need to have that same organizing when it comes to online platforms, particularly of the new ones, because if we only focus on the massive tech giants, which do have a bigger responsibility, it means that we forget about tech platforms like Bing and Clubhouse and TikTok and Snapchat and WhatsApp. People forget WhatsApp is a tech platform because everybody just basically uses it as SMS. But we all we all need to be challenging this basically like this sleeping giant <laughs> and this sleeping beast that is taking over our online spaces and isn't being designed rightly for us, for us but is profiting profiting from our pain. Yeah, definitely. And thank goodness that Glitch is around. So at least someone is, you know, trying to tackle that. Aww. But I would definitely link all of those resources that you said in the show notes and link Glitch and really encourage anyone who is suffering from online abuse or would like to just learn a little bit more about what constitutes online abuse, so please do check out the amazing work that Glitch is doing. And Shay, thank you so, so, so much for your time today and for speaking to me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me, Eliza, and all the best with Cheer Up Love podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cheer Up Love podcast and a special thanks to my guests for coming on and to the members of the Cheer Up Love community for sending in your stories. If you would like to submit your story to the podcast then just DM us on Instagram or submit via our website. If you like what you've been listening to please subscribe and leave a review it would mean a lot. And also lastly an extra special thank you to Alex Grews who composed the wonderful music that you've been listening to.